went to practice and I was like, all right, guys, I want to do a very business. Like, I'm like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to set up these goals and we're going to play X amount of shows. We're going to play these festivals and we're going to, we're going to do all this stuff. Where the hell did that come from? (laughs) And they're like, they're like, dude, we just like jam in the garage. I'm like, no, fuck that. If we're going to do it, then we're going to do it. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. So it's like, in theory, it's like, oh, yeah, we just, everybody lives this high quality of life. That's fantastic. Somebody's got to do the work. Somebody's got to do the work, you know. Awesome. We're, not all, we're not all equal. Nope. Like, <laughs> just get over it. It's just reality. Over. Yeah. LeBron James balls out way harder than I ever could, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, we could, it sounds like we can go on and on, but yeah, this whole idea of like, I'm valuable because I am alive and I breathe air. No, you're not. You're not valuable no. until you put that value to practice, you know? Yeah. To somebody you, hopefully you are, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not, I don't feel, dude, I was, Six and a half years ago, I was fucking homeless walking through the desert talking to cactus, cactuses in the fucking psychosis, okay? I was, you know, if I would have died, it would not have been tragic. Like, it would have been like, oh, a junkie died. Like, sorry for his family, but if I died, it wouldn't have been like, oh, it's so sad. It's like, no, he was, he fucking was jamming needles in his arm. Like, and he died. That's what happens. Like, yeah. would have been fault, would have been my consequences. It wouldn't have been tragic. So that's how we're going to start the podcast. All right, guys, (laughs) I got Cody Booth with me here. He's a solar extraordinaire. He's the founder of SoCal Energy Solutions. He's been in the solar business for about eight years now, setting appointments door-to-door, running a program for an EPC installer, and then he's also built multinational call centers. Uh, He's based out of Simpsonville, South Carolina, but just recently moved from California. He's a husband, a father of four, and Cody, we met at uh, Flying Friday just like a week ago. And after having a conversation with you for about three minutes, I was like, I've got to get this guy on the podcast. Like, he actually knows what he's talking about in the solar game. So thank you for uh, joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure meeting you last week. And uh, I'm a little new to the podcasting. Bennett Maxwell, our, our mutual friend, has kind of been like, he's been telling me for a while now, you got to start doing some podcasts. And and um, I've been uh, a little bit adverse to it, but I think mm-hmm. this third one this week and it's it's kind of fun it's it's cool to meet different people and have conversations with people all over so yeah it, it, yeah it's like a deeper dive you know we we met at apex and you get to meet everybody for a, you know three to five minutes but you don't really get to have that connection and stuff so you know the first thing podcast podcasting does that's great is you get uh you expand your network and you have deeper relationships right second thing is i get free consulting you know you're a lot further in the solar game than i am so i'm going to uh, use you and abuse you for that and then uh <laughs> <Please> <laughs> and then if you're you know if you want clients the easiest way to have a conversation is with them and say hey jump on my podcast spread your message you know what i'm saying and here's what you do here's what i do and who knows it could end up becoming a client so um it's a and then of course you're building authority you know my my podcast is called Building Great Sales Teams. I do sales consulting. You know what I mean? So it, it goes hand in hand. All right. So we heard a little bit about your story in the beginning there. So where did, where did this all start? Were you, did you grow up in California? No, I grew up I grew up in uh, Syracuse, New, oh, outside of Syracuse, New York, in okay. a small 3,000-person 3, 3, town called Cheryl, New York. Small city in New York State. So um, pretty pretty normal life. Um, mm-hmm. Good good family, you know, good values. Um, you know, I was just, I, I played sports as a kid, pretty all American, you know, pretty all American life. And I, um, I went to state university in New York at New Paltz, um, SUNY New Paltz and, you know, education was easy for me, but it wasn't, it, it was, it was almost like it didn't make sense to me. Right. I remember getting to college and just being like, you know, you didn't have you didn't have to go to class anymore, right? And so my a game that you know I don't know if it was a conscious game that I played, but it was like how few of classes can I go to and still pass, right? And when I realized that for me, you know, this is my own opinion. Um, 
first time I was like, you know what, education is complete, it, complete bullshit is when I went to a class and laid out the curriculum and said, you know, you pat, there was like five things you got, you got judged on, right, for your grade. And it was like, you know, a midterm, a final, some, a paper, a presentation, something else. And I, you know, I did well on all that shit, right? I did fine. And, um, and then he failed me. And I was like, why the fuck did you fail me? He goes, mm-hmm. you only showed up for five classes. I was like, you said you're grading on this material. If I aced it, it's not my problem. Right. You know? And they're like, that's not how it works. And I was like, you know, I, I want to live in a results-based world, mm-hmm. you know? And there's things that I, I might have to work 60 hours a week on that you only have to work 10 hours a week on to get the same results. Right. And so that's what I love about, you know, the solar world, the entrepreneurial world is like, we make our own we make our own rules and you can, you know, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, uh, I got into solar in California, bounced around. Um, I was, uh, I was, I was in a, truth be told, I was in a 12 step meeting about mm-hmm. eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And a guy was like, Hey, we're looking for, for people to be appointment setters for solar. And at the time I was like, solar's not real. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's- like, that's what the hooky people do. So yeah, I, I was like, it's not real. Um, but he would, but they were paying 15 bucks an hour plus like a small commission. I was like 15, like it blew my mind. Right. Coming from the small, you know, grew up in the Rust Belt area. You know, if you got a job paying 15 bucks an hour, like you were doing something, you know, and that's like minimum wage in California now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in and out starts people like 23 bucks an hour. Now it's like yeah. insane. Yeah. And, uh, so I took the job because uh, I didn't really have anything else to do. Um, did it for a little while. And again, it frustrated me because I would go out and get, you know, three, four five appointments in a day. And I'm like, these people are getting paid. These people are going out and getting zero or one or getting paid the same as me. Oh, What's yeah, going? absolutely. And it doesn't make sense. And um, so I met up with some guys. Um, I was out knocking one day. I was a heavy smoker at the time. I've been, it's been about five years without a cigarette now, but I was smoking one of my many cigarettes on the street, having, you know, it's really good door, door-to-door etiquette at the time. And I uh, just smelled like an ashtray, yeah. New, Newport and hundreds. And a guy came along and was like, Hey, you know, what are you selling? Blah, blah, blah. He was doing solar. I mean, it took him all like three minutes to recruit me. He was like, listen, you can go out with us commission only. And this is what you can make. And at the time it wasn't, you know, I mean, they, it was a very good deal for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the time I was just like, you know, I had no kids at the time I had, you know, minimal overhead and, uh, I just, I just kind of sent it from there and I've never had a hourly job or, you know, anything since, you know, I've been, I've been in solar. That's awesome, man. So I, I read a few of your profiles, your social media profiles and, st- and stuff like that. Your Instagram actually says that you're a Syracuse sports enthusiast. So I, I was, I looked up colleges and stuff and I was like, well, shoot, there's Syracuse in California, there's Syracuse in New York. So I wasn't sure. I was like, which one did he go to? Um, and then uh, uh, you're, <laughs> I forgot what he said exactly, but you're obviously a big fan of Jerry Garcia from Grateful Dead. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I came across those two things and I was like, oh, cool. I always like to insert that you know, fun facts about the guests and stuff like that and let it be about more than just sales or solar or, you know what I mean? Business, whatever the case is. What, what got you into music? Um, my parents were, were big into, um, were big into music growing up. So it was kind of always around and there's not where I grew up. It's, it's, there's not a ton to do, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's very, it's very rural. It's very country. You know, I grew up in a, in a family that, you know, you know, my dad bow hunted, you know, um, a lot of fishing wintertime would come go ice fishing, snowmobiling, stuff like that. But there's, there's always music around. And so I grew up, you know, with, a, with a lot of music, I, I played music for a little while. I got to travel and I'm, I'm not a very good musician. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, it, it's kind of predated my, you know, solar world and stuff like that. So I, I first, I first tried to get, uh, clean and sober. I've, I've, I've been, um, clean and sober a little over six years now. Congrats. Uh, thank you. And, uh, so I first tried to get clean and sober back in 2010. I, I overdosed and I was in a coma and it was a whole, you know, it was wild. I was, I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they don't really know why I wasn't supposed to live. 
basically. And, and I did. And then after that, I, I took a job, a crappy job locally, moved back in with my parents. And, um, you know, I was playing with music with a buddy one night that I went to, went to high school with. Who's this guy who's just, just a savant, you know, just a backwoods, like grew up in a house, literally with the dirt floor, mm-hmm. but just, dude, I went to, to high school. It's just a savant on guitar. Just incredible. We, we were playing for fun on my back deck in my parents' house. And we wrote a, we wrote a song that night, just, just for the hell of it. And he was like, cool. You know, we got a gig next week and it's like our fourth gig. And our, our guitar player just went to rehab. I don't know. Happens. Yeah happens a lot in upstate New York and happens a lot in music, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we, so he's like, you're going to play. And I was like, dude, I don't know how to play. He's like, we well, just wrote a song. You can play. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I'm not like classically taught, mm-hmm. uh, but I went into it. Like I, you know, like, a, like any good addict would. And I'm like, went to practice. And I was like, all right, guys, I went into a very business. Like, I'm like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to set up these goals and we're going to play X amount of shows. And we're going to play these festivals and we're going to, we're going to do all this stuff. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> and they're like, they're like, dude, we just like jam in the garage. I'm like, no, fuck that. If we're going to do it, then we're going to do it. And so, so it was like this wild whirl, whirlwind. And like, you know, what was cool is like, I was just, listen, we're good self-promoters right mm-hmm. like you know go out and get people to buy tickets i could go out and get on bills and you know and that far exceeded my ability to play music you know but it didn't matter and so i i got i got to play with a lot of bands that i admire i got to play some cool festivals and uh, that was a fun a fun chapter uh, and and then i moved out west yeah that's awesome it's like the the entrepreneur and you just had to get out you know what i mean that's that's the savant piece for you right yeah, I had to get that. I didn't know I was an entrepreneur at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're just the so organized I, guy. <laughs> yeah, and so people that, and and since and since then, you know, I don't think those guys will ever listen. They're far. The guys I played with are great musicians, mm-hmm. but they haven't done shit. Right. I mean, they yeah. don't have that. You know, I you know, I don't think it's. I think it's something that's internal. I don't think like I went out and like earned this mindset, you know, necessarily. I think part of it I was born with and instilled by my parents, but they don't have that drive to go out and, you know, just really fucking get it. That right. Like, you know, like I had. So sometimes friends from back home be like, Oh, you play music. You still playing music. You're going to play music again. I'm like, no, I mean, I'll, you know, I play little songs with my kids. They're like, well, you should, you know, I'm like, listen, it was a time in my life. It was fun. I accomplished more than I wanted to. Yeah. It's not where my, my mind's at. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, early on, I had things like that, that I just kind of grew out of, you know what I'm saying? So whenever you got into door to door, you know, obviously, you came up in the ranks over there. Did you did you end up managing door to door sales teams? Like, what was that kind of that journey from, you know, entry level setter to uh, founding your own company? Now? So I, um, I worked with a um, associates dealer mm-hmm. in the in the early days of Solsius, this has been like 2014. Um, and that was good. Um, kept doing that for a while. I was like, holy shit, this is money. Like I haven't imagined before. Right. Uh, it was, it's one of those things for, for me, it was like, I, uh, I didn't have a lot. I never made money like that. I didn't have like much overhead. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a wife. Mm-hmm. So this is, going to, this is going to sound very not apex. Uh, the game, the game for me became how can I make a lot of money and work as little as possible? That is very apex, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so, That's exactly but, uh, what, you know, as you go through entrepreneur and uh, I'm sorry, entourage, entrepreneur and executives, that's basically what they're teaching you on the way up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I guess what I mean is I just wanted to be lazy and do no work. I didn't have a team at the time. I was just uh-huh. a doorknob. I'm like, I want to see if I, if I limit myself to like three hours a week knocking, can I go out and get two deals? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of times I could. Yeah. So like people ask like, you know, were you a top producer? Fuck no. No, I wasn't. Yeah. I, I did well, but I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like, you know, taking over the world. Yeah, you figured um, out the game and you executed the game. Yeah. And so then I, uh, I took a little sabbatical, went on, a, went on a, my last, uh, we'll call it my last bender uh, for about nine months and, uh, you know, fell off the wagon. And, um, you know, then I came back and um, right before I, 
I fell off the wagon. I got married to my wife mm-hmm. and that, you know, she's also in recovery. She just celebrated nine years. I was going to say, that's the first thing you put her through. Yeah. As soon as, <laughs> as, soon as, we, as soon as we got engaged, I went out and she, um, you know, she, most people had never seen me like that. So we, uh, we were estranged for a little bit. We got back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went, I ended up in, in a treatment center in, in Georgia and then I ended up in a halfway house in Costa Mesa, California. Mm-hmm. We reconnected and um, she was managing a spa in uh, Desert Hot Springs, California. She's a massage therapist. And um, we got back together. Um, she wasn't, she, she wasn't, she already had two kids from, from previous mm-hmm. uh, within like three months of me getting sober. She, we found out she was pregnant. So uh-huh. little, uh, the smart thing to do at that time was have a baby, but it was honestly probably the best, the best thing for me. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, okay, it's time to like, it's time to really, you know, get my shit together. Right. And, you know, at that time we were, I was like, okay, I was actually going to take a job at a, at a gym selling gym memberships. And she was wow. like, why, when you, you were made, you were doing solar before, you know, you relapsed, go back to solar and fucking make some money. You know, yeah. you're good at it. And, um, you know, so she wouldn't, she, she had a car at the time. I didn't have a car, you know, even though we we're married, she's like, I'm not going to let you take a car to go work at the fucking gym. And yeah. like, we were, we were, we, we didn't have anything at the time. I mean, we we're on food stamps. Like, you know, we we're living that literally like, our backyard was the projects and it was mm-hmm. like the trap. There was like a path going through the yard, bullet holes in the house. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we really had the luxury to be like, no, we can't take money. You know, it was like, there was times going to the food bank at that time period, you know, it wasn't, you know, but you know, I gave her credit cause she was like, no, you that's, you know, even though we were broke, she was like, that's below you. Like don't, yeah. yeah. Nothing against people that work at gyms, but she knew she had seen me excel at this other thing. Like right. why, go take a comfortable desk job. Mm-hmm. And it's not like and you so, had a passion for gyms or you know, working out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not like you were. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. I'm just saying you weren't leaving money for passion. You know what I'm saying? No, so, no not at all. <laughs> that was not, funny. Not, not at all. <laughs> and no, it, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I love the gym. It was like, oh, I knew guys that worked there. And they're like, here, dude, here's a job. Yeah. You know, and, and so I got back into solar, I worked for another guy's company for about a year and, uh, you know, it just wasn't really, I was building little teams of them, but like all the expenses were on me and he took half the money and I wasn't trying to be an unreasonable, like, I was like, you know, wait it out, wait your turn. But I'm like, I'm like, dude, if I'm paying for, if I'm paying for setters, I'm paying for their hotel rooms, I'm paying for their dinners, I'm fronting them, you know, draws. Mm-hmm. you got to come off with a little bit more than half, you know, and while you're sitting at your house, enjoying your time. Like I'm all about everybody making their money. Don't get me wrong. But 50, 50 is steep when you're 50, 50 steep, when you're not covering expenses, like the way my company's set up right now is 65% goes to the sales force and 35% goes to the company. And yeah. we're, we're covering hotel, you know, when we travel, we don't travel that much, but that was more of that summer sales model. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But we're 65, 35 and we're covering expenses, you know? Yeah. We were 50. Yeah. We were 50, 50. I was covering expenses and it was to the point where it's like, you know, all the little stuff, you know, I'm doing my own proposals. I'm doing all my project management. I'm doing all my own deal follow up. Oh, wow. You know, so I'm doing all the training for the reps. What am I? Yeah. What are you paying 50% for? I'll pay somebody 95% you know, if the values that, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if the trade-off is there, but if the trade-off's not there, then, then I can't do it. So, um, you know, I jumped into launching our, 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 our own business in, I think it was 2017, mm-hmm. just sold energy solutions. We built a, we built a door to door model, um, with the thought in mind of, you know, I don't, I'm not a guy that loves knocking doors. So we built the model, to first, the, the idea was, how can we build a model where we get off the doors, right? Mm-hmm. We're just taking classes, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was, well, how can we train guys up so that they can take closes and we can kind of make this little assembly line? So what, what we did, what it, what it molded into 
or morphed into was there's an opener. They, they find a, they find somebody who's, who's, you know, moderately interested. They drop a pin in our app mm-hmm. and then it, what we call is an SP one comes over and they take a, a live transfer and they take it from there and they get the bill and the credit rate on the door. And then they set the close. It's, it's like a little assembly line model. So it's a live transfer in person. Live transfer in person. And then if it has to be an appointment, then they just set the appointment and move on. Yep. They try to get them there in person right then and there. They get it. They get them right then and there in person every time. So if, if they, if the opener can't hold it until the setter gets there mm-hmm. on SP one, which is really to me, the close, then it's just, you know, Hey, follow up. Yeah. But you know, there's guys that are designated just basically they just roam around the neighborhood taking these transfers. And what it does, what we found is it, it, it makes it so that it's, it's, makes the information palatable, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can teach, I can teach somebody, you know, give me a half hour with, with any random person with a decent, decent IQ. Walking to them. Yeah. And give them a script on how to, how to get, how to send a transfer. Right. Right. That person does the middle part, which is a strong part. Give me some, give me somebody with sales experience, not necessarily solar. Mm -hmm. Two days with them, they'll be pulling bills and running credits, you know? Okay. In California with solar, even with cl- we have closers that no solar experience, give them two, three days of, of real training and they're closing d- leads. You know, it's, it's, I mean, you're, it helps in California when you're cutting somebody's bill by 40%. Um, I wasn't going to say it, but I was thinking it. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it, <laughs> it probably takes me a solid five days to train a closer. And I was yeah. thinking like, okay, why does it take me five? And it's only two or three there. And I'm like, well, it's stupid not to get solar in California at this point, you know? Yeah. It's like, Hey, dumbass, you're paying 55 cents a kilowatt hour. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what know? are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? And yeah. so, you know, once we realized that, Hey, it doesn't, you know, once we changed our mindset on like kind of the idea of who we had to recruit and, and put it packaged it like that, it was, it allowed us, you know, within, Scale. A month, or, yeah. Within a month or two, we were able to not have to be the ones running, you know, running the credit, you know, running or taking the closes, mm-hmm. and then you can start to think about other stuff, you know. And that was, and that business still goes on, and um, I don't really have to do. I don't. Again, I'm I'm to the point now where I'm super hands off with it. One of our one of our our openers from years ago worked his way up and he, he basically gets like about 90% of that. You know, again, I was talking earlier, like I'll take 10% of something if it's virtually passive, he's earned it. That's what he's passionate about right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always told people like, there's no glass, if you work with me, there's no glass ceiling. And I, you know, I, I mean that. And, you know, we used to set it out at, you know, the nice thing about that model is here's your path to, leveling up right opportunity you know, start off with this start off here start off there now we've got literally guys that hey they own it you know it's mm-hmm. their it's their name on the office now yeah and they didn't they didn't own it you know it's another guy that he didn't he didn't come in with a bunch of money you know he came in pretty much in, out of out of the gutter yeah and so that's that's kind of solar up until the pandemic hit for me. Mm-hmm. And when you say their, their name is on the office, do you mean like when they go out to the field, their name's on the shirt too, or it's more, yeah. they, they own their, their marketing organization, but they're still representing your brand. Yeah. They represent their own brand. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. So like a sub dealer type model on the yeah. sales side. Yeah. Do, you, do y'all do any of the EPC? I mean, you said, uh, you managed an EPC program in the past. Yeah. Do y'all do any of the, in, the install side or is that, I, I don't, I, we've got a partner up in the Bay area, complete solar. Who's been really, really good to us for, for a long time. Nice. Um, I've used other EPCs. I ran a dealer program for an EPC that I, I don't think I can legally name because they owe a bunch of people money. And every time I say shit about it, I get a cease and desist. And yeah. Um, so, but complete solar has been fantastic. And what I, what I like about our relationship with them is they, they make me not want to install because they, they make the, my life easy, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not perfect. But what I've realized is nobody fucking is, 
Yeah. You know, nobody's perfect, but what they, what they do, what they do well is they communicate well with us. They're honest. And when they fuck up, they admit it. Mm-hmm. And they, they always, and in six years, they've never missed a payment. So oh, that's beautiful. You know, you know, if you know, you're, you know, you've got the piece and it sounds so small, but everybody in the sales world has been fucked over at one point. Oh yeah, ever. absolutely. And so, you know, I've, I've had people say, you know, Oh, I put in jobs with them and it took 90 days or did this and that. It's like, it's part of it. You know, it's, it's you know, it's going to happen. You know, the fastest, the sexiest, the cheapest, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm here for long longevity. Right. You know, or for, or for as long as I decide, you know? <laughs> so if I've got a partner I can count on and they just, they just took on, you know, they just received a large, large backing from Carlisle group, which is, which is huge. You know, they're, they're, they're making the right move. So I want to be aligned with, you know, with that, you know, so sexier, faster, better tech. Sure. Yeah. But I know they're going to have my back. Yeah. And that's the most important thing when the shit hits the fan that not only are they transparent, but, and then that's the thing, if you're transparent, then I'll, I'll hook arms with you and we'll, you know, we'll get through this thing together kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that, that's kind of what we're dealing with in, in our business too. You know, we're looking at 90 to hundred day installs in a, in a market that should be installing in three or four weeks if you're linear, you know? And so it's not completely the EPC or it's not completely the uh, software company that we're passing everything through. It is, uh, it's becoming a market issue. And so I'm at the point now where we're making the decision, okay, look, we're small. We can still pivot. You know what I mean? And so we're going to pivot direct to installer. And then we're probably within six months, I want to have installed our first solar install. You know what I mean? From, from A to Z, from lead to PTO, you know? And, uh, and that's because I, I, you know, we want to become a brand locally to where in Corpus Christi, if, if the word solar is mentioned, it's Argenta solar, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Versus, <clears throat> you know, a lot of uh, dealers and companies that I talk to, they're all about going nationwide and being able to sell everywhere and stuff. And I'm like, man, I could, I could, I could build a $10 million solar business in Corpus Christi alone. And yeah. then I can do the same thing in San Antonio and in Houston. And I can drive to each one and hang out with yeah. my people and train and build them up and lead them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so um, that's kind of the strategy we're going to pivot to because the, the, the sub, we don't feel like it's going to work for us long term. Not if we want to build a, a, a real name in the industry in South Texas, at least, you know, yeah. kind of a deeper versus wide kind of strategy. It, def- it definitely makes it it definitely makes it harder to, to build that brand because things are out of your control, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I've. You know, we've gone down that, you know, should we install? Should we not? Yeah. And it's honestly where I'm at right now is like, you know, we could RMO and, and we could be installing, you know, we've got people on our project management team that have, have worked at EPCs before running nice. install management. So we're set up if we ever, if we needed to pivot. The Honestly, the reason that we haven't is most of our business in California and then we're starting to do a fair amount of volume in, in the DFW area mm-hmm. in California, the sales margin is so large yeah. and the cost of doing business. <laughs> if you're a construction company is so large, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that it's like you can have, you know, a $2 a watt margin on the sales side. Mm-hmm. On the install side, you're praying that you're 20 cents. Yeah, exactly. No, I've seen if, that. I've seen that too because I started out. I started out saying, "No, I want to do the whole thing," and I partnered yeah. with, with a guy on an EPC, and it did not go well. And then I looked at the margins, and I was like, "Why am I even jacking with the EPC piece? You know, why would I? Why would I go after you know 40 cents a watt? You know, what I'm saying when when the you know us as a whole we're getting you know over a dollar a watt, right?" And that's kind of where it's at in Texas, right? And so, and then, of course, you go through the business, and, you know, there, there's two incredibly important things to me right now, the customer service experience and then the sales rep experience. 
those two things are top of mind for me right now. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to scale and I've, I've scaled, you know, AT&T sales before, right? I had a hundred plus salespeople, 10 offices nationwide, all that. And that made sense because all I had to do was worry about sales. So if, yeah. you, if you want to scale, then yes, you need an, you need an EPC partner and you need to be able to scale fast. You don't want to have to be setting up new licenses in each state, in each market, you know what I mean? And having to build up an install team is completely different than building up a sales team. Like you said, you can train a salesperson in two or three days at an entry level. And you just can't do that on the construction side, you know, nor would you maybe have the licensing or the, you know what I mean? The, the master license to be able to do it. So I know that it's going to slow us down in terms of volume, but I'm okay with that. And as long as you're okay with that going into it, then like you said, you can, you can work on that brand a lot better in terms of the customer service experience and the sales rep experience, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's all about having the right expectations. I know people have gotten into the install side and they're like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to get into the install side and we're going to control the process and it's going to be this. And it's going to sound like, yeah, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds cool. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. That's why I know that, you know, it'll be a long time before we're doing hundred percent of our installs, maybe a year or two. Honestly, that's smart. You know, that's, that's if, 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 and when we do it, it'll be, Hey, let's get a crew, mm-hmm. you know, like one. Yeah. And, and go and go from there. And let's, you know? let, let's not fuck up like 10 times in a row. And then yeah. maybe we'll get another crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because those truck rolls add up, mm-hmm. you know, and here, and here's the thing in California too, which was why we ran away from it. It's like, you've got certain areas where they do, um, you got to do a rough inspection. So you're sending out a crew, you put the racking in, you got to inspect it. You put the panels on, you got to wow. inspect it, you know, you, and there's a lot of hundred amp panels. So what we've seen in DFW is a lot of houses out there have 200 amp mains already, you know, so we're doing a lot of panel upgrades and it's yeah. just, I'm like at, at the, at the red line that some of these companies are at right now in California is fascinating to me because I'm looking at the cost of goods and where they're running they're I'm like, just you surviving. Yeah, they're just surviving. If you fuck up and have to send an extra truck roll, you're negative. Mm-hmm. But they, and I don't be there. They pigeonhole themselves because they didn't do sales. They just focused yeah. on the install, and I and I get that. You know, do what you're yeah. good at. But then it gave all the power to the sales orgs, you know, and so they were just kept pushing, 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 and uh, I don't know if. And, and we have no plans to install for anybody else but our own customers, right? And I think that's going to be huge for us because a lot of installers do play that game where they're literally bidding against their own client, you know, especially when you look at the local market and stuff. So that, that, that's one thing that we're going to focus on. But, but getting back to, <laughs> to your side of things, um, what, what would you say y'all's client acquisition strategy is now? Are you more in the back office business or, you know, obviously you got guys on the doors in California, but like you said, you're, you're venturing into other lead acquisition strategies. So yeah, once the pandemic hit, we, we started doing a lot of um, call center type stuff, mm-hmm. virtual call center in uh, Mexico. We've got, we've had people in Colombia. Um, we've got people on our staff from the Philippines mm-hmm. um, and really, you know, took our, our, you know, similar to our door model and, and, and just did it on the phones and it's, it's been, we, we just, you know, there's a lot of things I'm bad at. We fucking kick ass at that. And so it's nice. been it's our business to, to, to really blow up. And, um, you know, we've built a cool machine and it's been, it's been fun and it's not, you know, pre the last thing I was doing before, you know, things started to shut down is I was, I had just moved um, from LA to, to South Orange County mm-hmm. in California. And I was traveling to, to Escondido and we we're opening up a San Diego office and we're going to get another door to door office going. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, California, it really hit there because you couldn't do shit. Yeah. You know, stayed down for like a year and a half. Yeah. And so it was like that hit. It was just like, I just moved from, you know, just moved to Orange County, which is not cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, wife just had her, her you know, fourth kid. Yeah. It's like, you know, 
four months old, five months old when the pandemic hit. And it was like, so it was, you know, that was a little bit of a, oh shit. Um, but it was, it was, it was fun too. Um, you know, cause it really, for the first time, you know, in a couple of years, since we'd really started our business, I got to sit back and be like, huh, I don't have an office to go to today. Right. I don't have anything to really think about. What do I want to think about? You got to create. Yeah. And so I got to create. And even though it was like, oh shit, it's tight a little bit money-wise right now, it was so freeing in other ways. Cause it was like, I get to just think and create. And what came out of that was, was awesome. I reconnected with an old, with an old knocking buddy of mine, mm-hmm. um, who's my partner now, um, Manny Alonzo. He's a, he's a fucking genius creative mind. He, he'll be at apex. You'll, you'll see him at fly, uh, fly in Friday this coming one. Nice. Um, and he's that man is like, when it comes to creativity and different different ways to to make money and make things more efficient. I've never, you know, I haven't met anyone quite on his level. And you know, we hadn't we hadn't really been working together much. And we started working together again over the pandemic. And like every time we've done anything together, it's it's fucking crushed. Yeah, you know, we were and we were talking about that. We're like, dude, we know when we did the door to door stuff together and we went separate ways. It was like, dude, that was that was when it crushed the most. And when we built the, you know, really a lot of that model on the doors um, that I talked about earlier was, you know, a lot of his, his theories and his, his implementation. And so mm-hmm. we started together on the, on the call center stuff and, you know, we're, we're, we're doing great. You know, it's been not everything, you know, I mean, half the shit you beta test doesn't work, but, right. you, know, you know, you get to, you know, how it is, you get to a point where you're like, let's try this because, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was the phase. That was the kind of the phase we're in for a little while. Now we're like, well, I don't, I don't look like, I like building sales teams and we built a badass sales team. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're, we're at the point where we sell 150, 200 jobs a month. And that's to some people, that's a ton to some people they're like, you know, but we you know we're not legacy to most, know? to most. That's a ton. Yeah. Right, I'm going to tell you right now. I've been yeah. in solar a little over a year now i've met a lot of people in solar to most that is a ton and to us it was like unfathomable at first like the Mm -hmm. first time we had 100 it was like you know because we've been doing it for a while well shit especially when you look at the depth of your organization you know what's your actual stateside headcount what's your overseas headcount you know or uh out of country headcount uh i imagine when you look at that it's pretty impressive um but that's what and so is that a completely virtual model or do y'all do anything in home? So here's, what's cool about it is, is the closers go in person. So everything yes. up until the close is in person. Yeah. And so all of our closers that are in California, I've never met any of them for the most part. Uh-huh. You know, there's some guys that have, have done solar with me for the last since, you know, since day one that, you know, we still yeah. work together. But you've met them virtually or whatever over met Zoom calls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's really, you know, cool about it. So we've got to the point where we're like, I don't really want to manage or build out project management for any more jobs than we're at, but we have the capacity to do more. And that's where, you know, got some friends. I've got a buddy whose organization does like a ridiculous amount, like literally like 900 installs last month on the sales side. Nice. Uh, he's been his, some of his guys have run our, our, our leads because we, once it gets to the closer, the closer's job, they just show up, you know, credit pass, electric bill, they're there to shut it down. And so some of his guys filled in last year and, you know, when we we're still building up closers and he's been like, you know, when are you going to, when are you going to do this for us? When are you going to do this? You know, let me give you money. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm going to build out my own. I'm going to build out my own. He's like, you don't want to build out your own. Like you, you don't want to build it any bigger. Like we've got money and reps, like come build it out for yeah. us. And so then, and then charge them a ridiculous consulting fee or, or obviously uh, uh, bottom line profit, whatever the case is. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we're just now doing, uh, doing that. We just started doing that. And that's been, that's exciting for me because it's, it's, this, it's something new, but it's not, yeah. it's, you know, in my wheelhouse, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to the gym and you use different muscles and you're like, Oh shit, you yeah. know, that hurt a little. Yeah, know? absolutely. But you feel good, you know? Yeah, you feel good. And absolutely. so that's, that's what we're doing now. And we're, you know, we've got a, a couple other guys uh, that we're going to be doing it with. Uh, one guy, 
I'm excited to start with him. He's, he's new to solar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's had other businesses flipped them. You know, he's done, you know, the alarm stuff back in the day. And uh, we're basically going to build a, help him build a business from scratch. And that one is fun. I mean, obviously we, you know, you get paid a much bigger consulting fee to build right. from scratch, but even, even that, you know, if I look at like what I'm going to do, like in, in money wise, I'm going to be underpaid, you know, even though it's <laughs> absolutely, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And when I, when it's done, it's going to be like, cause I know I'm going to win. Yeah. Like we're going to win, Yeah, you know, but it's, it's going to be a lot of work. And at times we'll be like, fuck, this was a stupid idea, you know, but you know, one of the, th- one of the, one of the benefits of solar too, like is your margin bears. Pretty big, pretty yeah. big, you know, um, but the idea of, you know, I, I, I know that we'll get to our goal of the finished product of, Hey, you have this business that essentially runs mm-hmm. by itself. Cause we did it, you know, I know how to do it and this guy's got the capability. So that's, uh, it's a project that's going to be, that I'm excited about. Well, and, and, and you should be, you know, cause it's not just, you know, unfortunately too many, too many people's advice is okay. You know, look at what you make in your business. And if you're going to go do consulting or something like that, make sure that you replace that income. You know, but, you, you know, when I when I do consulting, I, I don't look at just the dollar amount I get because most of the companies that I need that I would love to consult for can't afford the dollar amount that I should be getting. Right. Let's put that in a big quote. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, I may only make like five grand on a consulting job and it may take me, you know, like like for that job, it's seven hours. Right. And I can go and make, you know, 10 grand in my business. Or, or whatever, you know, but if the business is, if you're consulting, the business truly is running itself for the most part, you know, you're, you're yeah. stepping in as a visionary, you're putting things in place, you're expanding it, but you should be able to do stuff like that. But what you get out of it means so much more than the money, you know what I mean? And, and taking, yeah. taking someone's sales program and auditing it and rebuilding it and then them getting these amazing results from it. And then you're, you're providing them with, long-term value that they're going to look back at that five grand. They're going to look back at that 25 grand, whatever the amount is. And they're going to be like, that was nothing <laughs> for what, yeah. for what he was able to do or she was able to do for my business, you know? And then now you've got a, a, a lifelong business relationship. Maybe that even that turns into a friendship, but those relationships, you know what I mean? The ROI on them is just ridiculous, you know? And you, yeah. you never know what could happen. Like government could take over solar tomorrow and completely governmentize it and fuck it up. And, and we're out of business, but we're not, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because we know how to build a business and we've done it for other people and there's going to be offers out the door. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's partnerships or jobs, which I don't think either of us would probably take, but partnerships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Partnerships. <laughs> Job would be tough. Job would be tough. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where if it, you know, it doesn't matter if it's solar, it doesn't matter if it's real estate, alarms, mortgages, you can apply the same principles, mm-hmm. right? That's to, to me, like when somebody's like, I'm a sales pro, you know, yeah. there's a difference between really knowing your like, really knowing your industry and becoming successful at it and being yeah. a sales pro and yeah. neither one is right or wrong, you know, but to me, a sales pro, it doesn't matter what, you know, what you're, what you're selling. Right. You know, it's all, if you truly understand psychology and, and you know, you first you gotta for me it's like okay what what problem am i solving and is it you know am i being ethical you know mm-hmm. where's my you know where what are my intentions you know are my intentions to go sell everybody at seven dollars a lot and so i can tell everybody how much money i made on that one deal yeah there's there's nothing wrong with making a healthy commission right getting especially in california but you mm-hmm. know what are my what are my goals are, are my goals to to really help people are my goal is just hundred percent self-serving. Right. And so if you can, if you can do that, then, you know, cause most people in my opinion that are in sales aren't actually sales pros, even people that put up numbers. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't tell me why, you know, you can learn talking tracks all day and you can learn tie downs. So if you can, to me, if you can't tell me the psychology behind why that works and you're not really a sales pro, you're just a puppet. That's a really good actor. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's just my, you know, opinion on that, which everybody wants to know my opinion. So yeah, absolutely. That's why you're on the podcast, man. 
No, I, I believe in that 100%. I, always, I would always tell my guys, one, you got to believe in this product, right? When we were selling AT&T U-verse, you had to believe in the product. DirecTV, you know, a Vivint, you know, whatever we were selling, you have to believe the product you're selling is the best out there right now. Now, those, yeah. those markets were so volatile, you know what I mean? We did have to move products because all of a sudden, you know, this security product was better than this security product because you could put five cameras on it and not two, you know? So it was like we, we had to move with the market and we truly were sales pros because once we built out the initial model, which was on cable, yeah. I realized what I had. I was like, oh, I can insert any product in here yeah, as long as it's a home service, right? If it's a home service, I could literally insert product knowledge, the product itself, the pricing, and the model's the same. The pitch is the same. same. Yeah. Every, the, the follow-up's the same. You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, obviously that serves me in, in, in consulting today, but it's more about building the team versus selling the product, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, and what I would always tell them is, one, you got to believe in your product, and two, you got to improve the customer's lifestyle. And yeah. if you approach it that way, and when you explain it to them, it's an, it's an improvement on their lifestyle, then it's going to make so much more sense to them. And you're doing it in such a way that is custom to them, you know. Yeah. And um, the the psychology behind that is essential because it's not so much about, like, not screwing them over or anything like that. It's about them getting a great customer experience. Like, the reason that people buy from door-to-door salespeople is because there's a connection. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can click add to cart and order it, and there's no experience there, right? Yeah. But when you're when you have a, a multi layered product, you know, like cable or like solar or, or like all these things, it's very difficult to to navigate all that and not make a mistake. That's why you have sales professionals. Yeah. You know. It's not uh your latest uh shirt order on Amazon or whatever the case is, you know. It, and thank God, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the cool thing with solar is it's still one of those things that needs to be sold. It's not really bought very often, yeah. you know. Cause it's not at, it's not at the, the front of people's minds. So we've got, we're in this beautiful time where like, it's, it's almost like a little gold rush. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if there's you know, maybe mortgages back in the day. Yeah. But I mean, it's definitely a 30 to 40 year gold rush. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we need to get on alternative energy. You know, this isn't political. This is like, this needs to happen because the cost of energy is getting too much, you know, and it's affecting all the markets. But if we, if we normalize that cost a little bit, maybe we can slow down inflation, you know, we'll see. (laughs) I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Yeah, exactly. But it'd be nice. So when we talk about your organization, obviously that there's segments of it, you know, you're able to kind of take a piece of it and consult it out sometimes or, have another company and step in and be maybe that closing piece, whatever the case is, but you have your core group, right? You yeah. have your, what I'm, what I'm assuming is like 20 or 30 people. That is, you know, your ride or die people, you know, yeah. within that organization, what do you feel like are difference makers in terms of your culture? I think, I think one of, I think one of the biggest things is everybody's, we treat and train everybody the same. And some people might say that this is, that's bad. Cause you know, we were talking earlier, joking around, like everybody's not equal. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think what helps us is we literally like our, our project managers, you know, the people that submit, push the paper, right. Mm-hmm. They get sales training, like the same level of sales training that our, that our closers get. Okay. Right. And so everybody on our team, literally everybody that works for us has closed a deal at least one. Okay. I like that. Which, which I think is a little bit different, you know, our project, you know, and what that does is allows us to be flexible, right? Like, you know, you can get a manager call, you know, somebody's in a house, new rep, they need help. Well, our project managers double as, you know, manager call agents, you know, and so they take, they help new reps close deals. So it allows us, I think what that does for our culture is it allows us, allows everybody to get to know each other, right? Because everybody wants to talk about you know, we're family and that's, that's great. Yeah. I'm not saying we are, we are, you know, it's, it's a little, you know, it it can be a little bit played out, but I think, I think what we are is cohesive. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we definitely, you know, there's people don't always get along perfectly and stuff like that. But the nice thing is where everybody's moving to get jobs 
moving forward, right? And if one of our, you know, admins or project managers sees, oh, this customer had a question for the sales rep, and they see, oh, that sales rep's in a house right now closing a deal, but this is an urgent matter. They're not like, well, I'm going to tell Tom when he gets out of his clothes. Like, no, they're just going to pick up the phone and they're going to fucking handle it. And so right. a lot of times the rep doesn't even know that their deal got saved. You know, it doesn't always work out like that. Yeah. But I think that's what, I think doing it like that allows for, for you know, everybody's got the same goal. You know, they don't have to be best friends. You know, they don't have to call each other brother and sister and hug and kiss right. and love. Because really at the end of the day, we're all here for, you know, everybody's here to, to make a good living, yeah. right? And so if if the goal is, hey, let's help the customer, let's help each other. You know, and- I, what you're saying is so true because I didn't even realize it. But when I look at my mission statement, my core values, we help each other achieve freedom and our core values. They, all those things are serving a purpose. My family is my family. I serve my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yes, I serve my employees as a business owner, but I serve my family as a person, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you. A lot of people have family in their mission statement or family in their core values. And it's like, you don't fire your family. You can't fire your family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So is that family? Like, no, we're, we come to work for a purpose, you know, yeah. and we have a, you know, at, at our company, we have a purpose. We help each other achieve freedom. But, yeah. And we're all part of that. We're all cohesive, like you said. But then I go home and I serve my son. I serve my daughter. I serve my wife, you know. And I think that's, that's different. I think family needs to stay reserved for that. Because I, I agree. I, my, you know. my son could go out and murder a thousand people. You know what I'm saying? He's my son. I love him yeah. no matter what. I'm not going to, like. Yeah, disown him. I'm gonna try and yeah. save him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, Devastated, but you're still gonna hug him. Love yeah. him. Exactly. You know. You know. Somebody works for me does. I'm the, I'm the fuck's crazy. I would <laughs> never talk to him again. <laughs> Straight <Yeah>. up. <laughs> that needs to be a reel right there. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's true. I mean, dude, seriously, like, and that's true. And I mean, it's. You know, I don't. Again, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, not hurt people's feelings or hurt people's feelings, but I, I, whenever I see them, they're like, oh, we're a, we're a family. I'm like, get something better. I don't know. Yeah. Dig deep. Yeah. You know, there's, there, I'm not saying that you don't believe that, but you, but based on what? And like, you know, when you dig a little deeper, maybe that's what you really, your, you know, your core value is, you know, mm-hmm. not just that, you know because you know yeah like you said you don't fire your family yeah and if you you know if you violate our core values you're getting fired you know we have yeah. fa- we have family core values too but uh yeah. you know i'm gonna spend my life trying to pass those on to my kids whether they have them and i'm on my dying bed and with my last breath i'm gonna still be trying to pass that on and they may not take yeah. it you know what i mean but the, my my employees we need to represent that you know, yeah. and if you if you don't, then we're we're going to part ways, or we're going to find something else for, for you to do, or we're going to contract you out type deal. Yeah. We're going to keep our tight knit group where we serve those core values. You know, yeah, kind of compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. You know, keep them aside. But yeah, I think just kind of sum it up. I th- I think that's what you know, kind of keeps our culture moving forward and keeps the momentum going. And you know, it it, it provides context for every every piece of the company, you know, that, yeah. that everybody's been through a sale. They, they understand the heartache of getting postponed. They understand when the I is not dotted on the customer's paperwork, how much that sucks for the sales rep. And now their deal is pushed out another week and now they can't pay the rent. You know what I mean? They, they feel it when it happens. So they work their ass off to, to uh, mitigate it, you know? Yeah. So, so what are your, what are some of your, I guess, big ideas for your company's future? Where, where are you headed or where is your company headed? What are your thoughts there? Um, yeah, I got some big, I got, I got some, some big things in, in the very early stages, mm-hmm. uh, that are really exciting. I don't know how much I can talk about without my <laughs> killing me. <laughs> um, I'm like really stoked on where we're, you know, on where we're going. Um, we're, we're consulting and uh, we're going to make it easier for, uh, we're going to make it easier for, for guys like you and myself and everybody else to tap into the, the global sales force. Okay. 
And I mean, on a, on a deeper level than just, you know, VAs, mm-hmm. um, you know, like people with you know, actual sales skills, right. Uh, you know, the world's full of killers, you yeah. know, niche call centers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even, you know, beyond that, even selling, you know, uh, you know, internationally, but, but really selling and not, you know, you know what I would like? a call center full of English people because they just sound smart, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that who's the, gonna, it, who's going to hang up on that? Isn't that the American like culture? We just think English yeah. people are so smart because of their accent. You answer the phone, you know, <laughs> hello dog. You're like, fuck did I do wrong? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when they, when they explain something or you, you know, what's another one is uh, Australian is yeah. another one for some, you know, just because of the accent, we listen a little more and they have yeah. a little more clout with, yeah. without any reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a fun idea. You don't know who it is. Like, who's this classy motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, who's this classy? I want to, I want to listen to him. <laughs> no, this guy, I don't know anybody from this is classy. There is. It's not fair. Certain, uh, certain cultures have more distinguished accents. You know what I mean? Or more you interesting. Just accents. Of people in Mexico, how to speak like Brits. Exactly. They just give acting class. That's see, that's another big play that nobody's thought of. You can just get a bunch of people in, you know, in Mexico and the Philippines, get them acting classes, get them talking, get them mm-hmm. talking Australian and British accent. Yeah. Nobody ever hang up. I don't know if I can air this podcast now. It's too good of an idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. I got, I got one more question. I didn't even realize it's been an hour. Wow. I got. I yeah, <laughs> it turns out I can too. Might be why I have a podcast. Um, my last question, this is a, a question that I ask everybody at the end of the podcast, and it's uh, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to be leave behind for your family? I should have fucking prepped for this one, dude. I'm fucking have you right at the end. Um, mm-hmm. What does legacy mean? See, I'm I'm messed up in the head every time I hear legacy because I've been in solar so long. I think legacy power. I just hate. I just hate those. <laughs> the word's got a bad connotation now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I hate to be cheesy and say, you know, legacy means leaving the world better than you found it. Um, what does legacy mean to me? I mean, here's, here's the thing, you know, I want to, I want to have fun here. I want to have a good time. I want to, I want to make some people laugh, mm-hmm. make, help some, help change some lives, help change, you know, some, you know, generational, you know, we, we've had people that have been, you know, come from backgrounds like, you know, where they, their families have always been poor. They've always been, you know, so for me, I, I think legacy is, you know, here's the truth of the matter. Most people don't have one. Right. Most people are going to die. Nobody's ever going to fucking talk about them again. Yeah. It just maybe a couple family members, but once they die off, it's right. gone. It'll be, oh, I remember so and so, you know, and they'll have yeah. a story and then give it five, 10 years and that's it. And nobody ever talks about it. So to me, like truly a legacy is, is you leave, you know, you leave such a, a lasting impact and you have so much fun and you, 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 you bring so much, you know, joy to people that that it's actually passed down you know mm-hmm. generations because you know like i said most people aren't going to have a legacy and um you know there's a there there's a hunter s thompson quote and i don't remember exactly what it is but but you know it, he talks about when he dies he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be 90 years old and you know laying in his casket like oh i'm i'm sure glad i i ate that broccoli he was yeah. like no, i want to go I want to go out when I'm 50 in a blaze of fucking glory. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. I'm, I'm not, I'm not to that extreme, but you know, I, I hope that, you know, for me, my legacy, you know, for a lot of us going to, it's going to really end at our kids, maybe our grandkids. So yeah. I hope that they, you know, I hope they look, you know, when my time is up, they look at it and they say, you know what? I had a fun childhood. I had a good, I had a good time. I learned a lot and I'm in a place to, you know, thank god we were put in a position to to choose success if we wanted it mm-hmm. you know so beyond be to, that you'll be able to pass on those values yeah i mean beyond that i mean 
be, you know, be a little hubris beyond, you know, thinking that you're going to have a impact beyond that, you know, uh-huh. but um, yeah, I think that that's, it's that simple for me is just, I want, you know, whatever your beliefs are, if, if your belief is that, you know, this is our one time on this planet, mm-hmm. you know, I want it to be fun. Like, like the business is serious, you know, people, lives are serious, but like, it's the old, no one gets out alive. Like, let's have a good time, you know? And that's, that's kind of, you know, the legacy, I guess I hope to, you know, don't take, you know, life's too serious to take that serious. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's <Booth>. just, <laughs> yeah, like it's too serious to take seriously, you know? Yeah. So laugh a little more, have some fun. Yeah, fuck it, go on the vacation. You shouldn't go on because you're like, oh, shit, you know? As you tell, I'm not a great, you know, I should never be anybody's financial advisor. Right here, same. Oh. I actually just hired a fractional CFO because I suck at financials. Yeah, I, I can make the money, but managing it and keeping it is another story. <laughs> I can make it, and I can spend it. Yeah, exactly. No, actually, uh, so, you know, I'm headed over to your neck of the woods uh, day after tomorrow. And uh, the talk that I'm actually going to have, because I've been pretty obsessed with this subject lately, is on legacy. So the, the title of the talk is Building an Intentional Legacy. And so it'll be it'll it'll be kind of interesting that I just got to ask you that question and then you're you're headed over there and hopefully you get to hear me talk. I'm one of the I'm the second to last speaker, which Philip Philip is the the last speaker. So uh if I if I leave anybody with anything, it's you know to ask that question, like what kind of legacy do I want to leave behind and then give them the tools to to uh identify and then build it intentionally every day. You know? And so it it sounds like fun is going to be a huge part of the one you leave behind for your kids. And, and they're going to, they're going to remember that, you know, when I think about a lot of people that have a lasting legacy and by lasting, I mean like two, three generations, you know, which is what we can all hope for. Yeah. Um, they, they do, they talk about their grandparent as like the life of the party, you know what I mean? And they did what they said they were going to do in terms of having fun, you know, and they brought everybody together and uh, kept the party going (laughs) yeah stuff like that so i mean it's that's what people remember i i got i got one question can i ask a question absolutely if money's not an issue right what's your what's your you know you made your money you built your legacy what's your what's your passion project it can be work related Mm -hmm. it can be it can be anything so my my passion is helping people build their businesses and then my passion would be working on my land so um, I don't have the land I want yet, but the land I do have, I'm, I'm beautifying it. You know, I'm building stuff out on it. And so I, I, I am very much on the freaking, uh, what is that show called? A Yellowstone train. You know what I mean? Like, show. I, I, I want that someday. I want a multi-generational piece of land that gets yeah. passed down from generation to generation. And uh, I want to be the one to purchase that and set it up for everybody. Cattle, horses, everything. You know, if I'm good at it, right, I won't keep doing it if I suck at it, right? <laughs> so, you know, hopefully maybe my son could do that someday or my grandson could. Uh, but yeah. because I'm not, I'm not a country boy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, I wasn't taught that from a young age. So I'm going to have to learn it being 40 years old. You know what I'm saying? I'm 36 now, but by the time I have you the land it. that I want to have, I'm going to have to learn that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's different when you don't get taught it from a young age, but then I can teach it to, to my sons. And then hopefully it'll be ingrained in them for their sons, you know, and, and daughters and so on and so forth. So that, that's a, that's definitely a piece of it. Like if money didn't matter, I'd immediately go out and buy the property that I wanted and start cultivating it and building on it. And then, and then for fun, I would go help people build their businesses up, you know? Yeah. So, and in, and because people have asked me that question before, or I have asked myself that question, I'm doing what I love, you know, and then unfortunately everybody can't say that, but they can't work towards it. Right. So yeah, that's kind of why I always ask that question because a lot, a lot of that comes out in that question, in that answer. And you'll see a lot of people will talk about what they're passionate about. And every now and then it, it won't be what they're doing. That's just a means yeah. to an end. So yeah. they can do that thing. And for, for you, it's going to be touring on a, Jerry Garcia tribute band. 
if money wasn't an issue i would i would open up a music venue and i would i would and there's layers to it but i would, yeah. I would basically book whoever the fuck i wanted and nice. wouldn't care cost money yeah. and it would you know that's what it would be it'd be you know my, almost like you know people would be allowed to come and buy tickets but like it'd be almost my own it would just be curated by me and i would just book whoever i wanted yeah have your own little shows and stuff and yeah show of one audience of one <laughs> yeah i like i like i like getting it ready together so that would be fun you know yeah. to have a real full venue uh-huh. but you know here's the thing not everything may come as a surprise but not everything that i love is uh is you know super profitable in every market you know like if i booked you know the members of the grateful dead somehow to come play in simpsonville it probably wouldn't crush out financially <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're a big enough band that they got fans everywhere. It's like the Cowboys, you know. So. Travel, yeah. <laughs> but there's but there's some obscure music that that I like where it'd be like I'd have to fly people in, from, you know, yeah. from Morocco, and, and like it, I, it would lose. I'd lose my ass on it. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, I definitely. You know, everybody love, can. Buy Not many people would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I definitely love getting people together and feeding them. You know, barbecue is another passion of mine, but it's like a a minor passion on top of the having the property and building it out and then, you know, having plenty of room for people to stay and barbecue and have a good time and stuff. That's kind of like, you know, sixties and on, I want to be able to enjoy that, you know? Yeah. And so, all right, brother, well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, I appreciate you coming on the call, walking us through that story, being a little vulnerable in the beginning. I may have kind of sprung that on you that, Hey, we're starting now. Cause you just gave a great intro for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It, it, it is a beautiful story and I would definitely encourage you to kind of be transparent with that. You know what I'm saying? Cause that yeah. is going to inspire a lot of people. Some people are in that shit you were in, you know, eight years ago or was it eight years? Uh, well, it's shit. It's been on and off for on and off. Yeah. Almost 20, but it, you know, it's been, it's been over six now that I've, six sober. Know. So some people are in that, right. You know, my, my yeah. VP of sales, we're going to get into a whole nother podcast now, but my VP of sales, uh, it's over 19 or 20 years now. And so he's, and it's kind of crazy. Guys like you that have been through that appreciate what you're doing now so much more. And then can, you guys are great mentors. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Cause you've done the worst of the worst a lot of times, you know, and I have too, just with a yeah. different drug, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, what can you do to me? Yeah. You know, that's what, that's why I look at business. It's like, mm-hmm. what can you do to me that I haven't, you know, already done to you, myself for one. Yeah. You take away money. <laughs> Like, okay. Yeah, 100%. Well, brother, I I appreciate you coming on. If people want to get a hold of you, if they want to learn more about the solar business or consulting, any of that stuff, uh, where do they reach out to you? What's the best place? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Not super super active on LinkedIn. I'm getting a little bit better. Um, And then Instagram, honestly, um, it's at Cody underscore booth underscore 315. And uh, that's that's the best place to get all me. Facebook's fine too. I just tend to check Instagram more than more than Facebook. Um, gotcha. Hopefully, I'll do it do it again uh, some other time with you, and I'll have a have a little bit better uh, website and stuff like that. Yeah, talk to Bennett. Up. He'll get you all set up, man. <laughs> we, uh, I think my my podcast was like his first or second one, so he was just getting all that set up. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll put the links in the show notes, so if anybody's interested, they can they can tag you on there. Cool. All right, brother, let's get building. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts and subscribe so you're notified when we release new content. Great sales teams aren't recruited. They are built brick by brick. Let's get building.